The great thing about being an entrepreneur is that you're your own boss. You make your own rules. You can do whatever you want to do. The challenge of being an entrepreneur is that you're your own boss. You make your own rules and you can do whatever you want to do. And the problem can be sometimes you don't know what to do. In fact, you may be making mistakes right now in your business and don't even know that you're making mistakes and you don't even know how they're hurting you. So here's what I did. I went and made a list of the 13 most common mistakes I see in entrepreneurs every single day, and I'm going to share them with you and how to fix them completely for free. All you had to do is go to workonmygame.com. That's workonmygame.com. Put your email address in on that page, and I'm going to share with you the top 13 mistakes entrepreneurs make, why they make them, and how to fix them all in one place. Just go to workonmygame.com. I will tell you how to fix the biggest mistakes you may be making in your business right now and are not even aware that you're making them, and we're going to fix them all in the same spot, and this will take you less than 40 minutes. Go to workonmygame.com right now and let's fix the problems that you may not even know that you have. Wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe to the show so that you are getting notified about every new episode that comes out and leave a rating of the show so that other people can know about it. We can move up the algorithm so other people can work on their game the same way you're working on your game. Now let's get to it. I send out a daily motivation text every single morning that is guaranteed to have you focused, sharp, and on point to start your day. And I promise you, you want to receive this message. All you have to do to join my text community is to text me at my number, 305-384-6894. Once you join, we'll tell you all your options for how often you can get text by us and all of that. Just text me at the number 305-384-6894 to get that daily motivation. You want to call it what it is, it's cultural decay. That when it's a black mark on your name to come from a good family, to have both parents at home, to go to a private school and grow up in a gated community, well, you're not rough enough. You're not tough enough. You're not street enough. You're not, your life is not fucked up enough. So you don't have the credibility with us, whoever us happens to be. This is a reflection of DK. Pretty exceptional. Work on your game. I like the approach. Work on your fucking game. Everybody has relates to what Dre's saying in a different way. Work on your game. I like the way he thinks. Work on your fucking game. I like the frameworks that he's put together. Work on your game. And I would highly recommend it to anybody that's trying to work on their game. Work on your fucking game. I think it's a good approach. It's a different approach, too. Hey, you, work on your game. Gave me something really good. Work on your game. DreOldDay.com. And his philosophy makes a lot of sense. Not only work on your game, perfect your craft. Work on your game. He knows how to communicate in such a fabulous way. I can't say it enough. Work on your game. People often ask me, Dre, is there any way that I could work with you directly? Is there any way that I could talk to you on a regular basis? Just ask you questions, share with you what I'm doing and just get your feedback and your insight on where I'm going personally and professionally. The answer is yes. And the further answer is there's only one place to do that. That is work on your game university. That's the only place I do any coaching. It's the only place I work with anyone directly. All you have to do to get involved in the university is go to work on your game university.com. There you'll see all your options, whether you want to schedule a call with us, join one of our group programs, and we go from there. I'll see you inside. Again, that's work on your game university.com. You're now tuned into the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to be achieved. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves any one of us, including yourself. 
to go and make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, and techniques all underneath the umbrella of one unifying philosophy that is called work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is criminal justice reform. Let's talk about this. This is another topic that actually, before I even get into the intro, let me give you a couple housekeeping points. I got to make sure everyone knows. Number one, I send out a text every day guaranteed to have you focus sharp and on point called Daily Motivation. Send out every week, also called the Monday Motivation. Join my text community for free by texting me at my number 305-384-6894, number in the description. Secondly, work on your game university. Any of you want to reform, since we're talking about reform here today, you want to reform how you are going about playing your game, how you are operating in your game, how your performance is showing up or not showing up in your game, and you just want to do better at the outcomes being produced through your game in the game in which you are partaking. I understand you, all right, because I've been on that exact same journey. That's the reason why I have this whole brand called Work on Your Game. It's the reason why I have an entity called Work on Your Game University, and that is the place where you can work with me directly on figuring out what your game is, reforming your approach to the game, making sure we have a clear roadmap on how you're going to play the game system so that you can go through the process of playing your game the same way over and over and over again. So you are consistent in your outputs and you're producing the outcomes that you want to produce so you can enjoy the rewards that come as a result of those outcomes. If that sounds like the process that you need, that sounds like the steps that make sense to you. Go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. That link is down below in the description. You can see a full description of exactly what we do in the university, and you can schedule a time to get on your call with us where we'll talk about where you're at, where you want to go, and if we believe you'd be a good fit and that we can help you, we'll tell you how it works. Go to workonyourgameuniversity.com. Again, link down below in the description. All that out the way, let's get into the topic here today, which is criminal justice reform. This is another topic which is something that people talk about a lot. This is another one of those social issues or social topics, I guess we will call it, that I have yet to discuss in detail here on this show. Now, I have talked about things that involve criminals or let's say would-be criminals. I guess we would call them suspects. I have discussed that in some episodes of this show. I have some episodes where I've talked about policing, some episodes where I've talked about, let me see, I didn't really talk about, I haven't really talked about crime hardly at all, but I have talked about police. I talked about the benefits of abolishing police, which is a, kind of a tongue-in-cheek topic because I don't really think we should abolish the police. But that's episode 1823. I talked about police reform. I gave you three simple steps to reform the police in episode 1820. I talked about how to deal with police. If you are a black person and you have been indoctrinated to be afraid of engaging with police, I told you how to deal with them in a way that you don't need to be afraid in episode 1606. And I also did a special episode where I talked about George Floyd police and race in America. That was in between episodes 1479 and 1480. Didn't even give it a number. So actually the total number of episodes on this show is two more than the actual number that you see here. Cause I did this special, which didn't have a number. And then I did another one, which was when Kobe Bryant passed away. And that was episode number 134. I was in between 134 and 135 where I did on Kobe Bryant. So I have two episodes that actually don't have uh, whole numbers here. So anybody calculating the number of episodes I ever did on the show, add two to whatever number you think it is. Anyway, so this is a topic that I have touched on again from different angles at different times, but I haven't really gone deeply in specifically on the subject today. I shall do that. I've seen a lot of people who, like me, do not work in the space of talking about this. They don't work in the space of criminal justice or anything involving crime or criminals or suspects or courts or anything like that, like myself, I don't work in that space. So I've seen other people talking about it, but many of them are simply 
parroting talking points that, that have been fed to them by others. And I see a lot of people parroting talking points that it appears to me, I can't read their minds, but it appears to me that many people just repeat the talking points that they believe they should say because of whatever dog they have in the race, that dog being liberal or conservative, that dog being black or white, that dog being red state or blue state, that dog being uh, support Trump or never Trump, something like along those lines. I don't have a dog in any of those races. doesn't mean I may not prefer one group or another or one side or another in any of those comparisons. However, my opinions are not based on that. And I'm going to give you my straight up and down, my objective look at what I think about this whole concept of criminal justice reform. And of course, as always, if I say something that you disagree with and you have a legitimate, substantial reason as to why you disagree, feel free to reach out to me. I would suggest you reach out via email where you can give me your full thoughts, rather text message than where you only can give me a, a soundbite. I'd rather get your full thoughts if you email me. My email address is dre at dreallday.com. You are welcome to reach out to me. And if you give me a thoughtful, substantial response, and I usually will get back to you. So these are points that, again, when I hear people parroting talking points that they've gotten from somewhere, it clearly didn't come just from their own mind, because no way the two people are going to think of the exact same talking points from their own minds that don't know each other. But those points don't make sense to me upon further examination. We're going to address some of those here today, and I'm going to give you mine at the same time. So let's get to it. Point number one. Topic once again is we are discussing criminal justice reform. Here's an interesting thing that I noticed when it comes to this concept of criminal justice reform. Why is there so much support for helping the criminals or making sure that the criminals are being dealt with justly or being dealt with the way that they're supposed to? Like there's a lot of support for making sure that the criminals are taken care of, right? But very little support for helping the victims of the criminals. Notice you never hear victim justice. You don't, never hear about victim justice, but there's a whole lot of criminal justice. Why are so many people focused on making sure that the criminals get taken care of the right way, that they get a fair trial or they don't get exorbitant jail time, but the criminals who they actually hurt, there's no movement or wave or there's not even a career based on helping the victims of crimes out. There's no career for that, but there is a career helping the criminals out. Right? We call those people public defenders, right? They help the criminals. And I get why they're public defenders. I'm not knocking the existence of the position. What I'm saying is why are there checks and balances in place to make sure that criminals don't get railroaded, but there's no checks and balances to help the victims of criminals? Or if there is one, why don't I know about it? All right, why is it not as mainstream as the people who help the criminals out? See, a lot of people are pushing, I uh, hear a lot of people pushing for reform of how criminals are handled. Usually people push for this when someone who they are aligned with in some way happens to be within the throes of the justice system. So they start calling for criminal justice reform. And I understand why people do that because humans are humans. I've never seen a grassroots movement to come up with some kind of solution to help the people who have actually been victims of the criminal. Uh, a person goes to jail for a violent crime and people line up to defend the person who did the violent crime, suggesting that that person be freed. Now, you hear this all the time with people in the people especially in the black community and rappers and some rapper goes to jail for a violent crime. Everybody's like, free that rapper. Well, wait a minute. Maybe we don't need to free that motherfucker. All right. <laughs> Shit. He committed a violent crime. He might need to stay in jail. All right. He might be in jail for a reason. Let's not just immediately run to freeing this guy. Uh, you might need to hold him for a minute. Let him cool off. But anyway, people line up to defend the person, <laughs> suggesting that they be freed or given a shorter sentence or that somehow they were given more sentence than they should have of incarceration. And hey, maybe these people are right. Maybe it's true. But there's never been a big movement to help the victims. And I'm just trying to understand this. 
Now, some of you may be thinking, well, Joe, you're a person who says you don't really like the concept of people being victims. You'd never be a victim in life. Well, let's be clear and let's make sure we have the right context here. When I say victim, I'm talking about a victim mindset. I'm not talking about you being a literal victim. If you're walking across the street today, this afternoon, and somebody runs a red light and hits you and breaks your hip or breaks your leg or, God forbid, you die from the hitting you, you are a victim of somebody running a red light or somebody being a drunk driver. You are literally a victim. It doesn't put you in the mindset of being a victim. That means something just happened to you. A victim is just something happened to you. So that's what I mean here when I say victim, just to make sure nobody gets that confused. Why is there no movement to help these people? Why are people always so excited to defend criminals, but nobody's defending the victims? There's a guy who started the, I believe the gang he started, I won't even, I'm not even going to say what gang I think he started. There's a guy named Larry Hoover in Chicago, who was a gang member. He is, has been incarcerated for a long time, still incarcerated to this day. And Kanye West, who is from Chicago. He started a movement to try to help get this guy freed. And I remember he did a concert. I believe it was in L.A. maybe a year or two ago. And he and Drake, who had had some conflict, at least through music, they reunited at this show. And they did this show that was like a promotional, celebrational concert to free Mr. Hoover. I think the concert was called the Free Larry Hoover Concert, whatever it was called. And this is a guy who had admitted to being a criminal member, a gang creator, basically. He created a gang. And I'm not saying that the guy should necessarily continue to be incarcerated. I don't know the details of his situation. But what I am wondering is, and a whole bunch of people went to the concert, because this is what it got me thinking about, because I saw the footage and the pictures from this concert when Drake and Kanye, and they're doing this free Larry Hoover thing. And I see people with the t-shirts and they're doing the hashtags and all this stuff of freeing Larry Hoover. And I'm thinking to myself, why do this many people not show up to defend a victim who's actually had something happen to them as a result of a gangster doing something? Where are they at when these situations occur? Again, it's always just been a question in my mind. Why do people get so excited to defend a suspected criminal, but never get excited to defend a victim unless defending that victim somehow, again, aligns with whatever ideology they're supposed to be on the side with, to wit? You think about the George Floyd riots, the, the Black Lives Matter riots that happened after the death of George Floyd in the summer of 2020. Those are people that were, quote unquote, defending a victim, but it wasn't really about George Floyd at all. And we didn't even get into that, at least not today. The reason most people don't reach their goals in life is not because they never ask themselves what they want. Most of you do that. It's not because they're not willing to do the work. Most of you do a whole lot of that. It's because they never ask themselves the third key question, which is, who do I need to be? I wrote a book called The Mirror of Motivation that is all about asking and answering that question of and for yourself. That's why it's called The Mirror of Motivation. In that book, you're going to learn who you need to be as a person so that you can go get into that right energy, then do what you need to do, and then you'll be able to reach your goals and have what you want to have. If that sounds like the missing link in your process, and let me give you a hint, it is the missing link in your process, I'll give you a free copy of The Mirror of Motivation. All you have to do is cover the shipping and just go to mirrorofmotivation.com. Again, mirrorofmotivation.com. I will give you a free copy of that book so you can ask yourself the key question that you have never asked yourself, that most people never ask themselves, that will make all the difference in your success. Mirrorofmotivation.com. Point number two. Today's topic, once again, is criminal justice reform. Number two, there's this pervasive idea that the majority of criminals, especially black criminals, are alleged 
quote unquote, victims of society, that the reason that they're criminals is because society has set them up to be victims. The society has given them not victims, but set them up to be criminals. And society gives them no other choice but to resort to crime. These people just can't help themselves. That's an idea that has been pushed, especially in the black community, that people do crime just because they don't have a choice. And you listen to a lot of rappers rap. Many of them will even go as far as basically saying that in their own rap. So, yes, I did crime. But the reason I did crime is because I saw no other choices in my community and my family was broke and I was hungry and uh, my daddy wasn't around and I didn't have anybody to take care of me. And the only people I saw who had money were the people doing crime. So I decided to do crime. And hey, I made it through doing crime. And look at me. I'm a rich rapper now. This is the message that you get in a lot of rappers music. And these are rappers who I like and listen to. And all of us know that this is true. I'm going to push back against this concept, this idea that people do crime because they have no other choice and that the majority of criminals are simply victims of the system. And that's the only reason that they get into the criminal system. Now, the rappers I'm talking about, I'm not talking about them because they are free. I'm talking about most of the other people who do crime, the stuff that rappers rap about, most people who do that kind of stuff end up dead or in jail. They don't end up being famous rappers. So any of you kids thinking about doing what you hear some rapper say because the rapper is quote unquote successful through rapping about it, understand that most people who do the things that those rappers rap about end up dead or in jail. And a side note that we're not going to get into any deeper today, most of the things your favorite rappers rap about, they haven't fucking done. They're just talking about it. They didn't actually do it. But again, we ain't going to go into that today. I'm going to push back against this whole concept of many criminals, especially black criminals, are victims of society or victims of the system. And I'm going to say false. They are not victims of the system. Most criminals are not victims of the system. The system did not make them criminals. If you're listening to this, you have a family member who is incarcerated. I don't know your family member, but I will say just based on the law of averages, most people who are incarcerated for crimes are incarcerated for a reason. All right, there's something that they did that put them into that situation. Now, are there some innocent people incarcerated? Sure. Are most incarcerated people innocent? No. They did something. That's how they ended up there. Statistically, 55% of state prison inmates, this is where most people end up in state prisons. You got the local jails, you got the federal jails, you got the state system. 55% of state prison inmates are in jail for violent crimes or in prison for violent crimes. Prison tends to be for longer sentences. Jail tends to be shorter things. You get locked up because you got a DUI. You had to stay in jail for a week. That's jail. Prison is when you got a little bit longer sentence. I think there is a certain amount of time. If you got this much time or more, you go to prison. This much time or less, you go to jail. It may differ from state to state, but that's the difference between a jail and prison. There is a difference. It doesn't matter for this episode. But 55% of state prison inmates are incarcerated for violent crimes. That includes things like murder, rape, robbery, and assault. This is not for people who have $5 worth of marijuana on them and the cops stop and frisk them and they end up incarcerated. No, that's not how most people end up in jail. Drug crimes. State incarcerated in the United States, 14%. Yes, this is correct. 55% of state prison inmates are in for violent crimes, 14% for drug crimes. There are more white people incarcerated for drugs than black people, percentage-wise. There are more black people incarcerated for murder alone than all drug crimes combined in the state system. Let me repeat that sentence. There are more black people incarcerated for murder alone, just murder, than all the drug inmates put together. So this is not the system making you kill another person. Now, the system might lead to you having some 
weed on you or you trying to sell no hundred dollars worth of cocaine in a day. But killing somebody, you can't blame the system on that. There's an author by the name of Michelle Alexander. She wrote a book called The New Jim Crow. It's a book you should read. Miss Alexander's book is very well written. I read this book about 10 years ago. And it's all about the justice system and how it is, according to Miss Alexander, targeting black and brown people for petty crimes, which then goes on their records. And because these crimes go on their records, they are now criminals. And when you have a criminal record and these male, often these are males, they no longer can live in an apartment complex. They can't get a job. They become estranged and separated from their families because they can't provide and they can't live at home. Then they can't raise their kids. And this exacerbates the issue of lack of two parent homes in a black community. And it just further and further separates the black family. And it just leads to the mass degradation, let's just call it, for lack of a better term, of the black community because of this criminal system that seems to be targeting black people. And again, it destroys their records, destroys their lives, and it destroys their families. And I remember reading this book in 2013. It was a harrowing account, the way that Miss Alexander laid it out. Again, that's why I said the book is very well written. However, Miss Alexander's book leaves out some very important things, like the point that I just gave you, that most state prison inmates are there for violent crimes, not for drugs. And her book makes it seem like that the cops are just in the system, rather not just the cops, cops is being part of the system, are targeting black people and getting them crimes on their records based on nonsense, and then using that nonsense that's on their record against them to keep them from basically disenfranchising them and keeping them out of society. Now, does this happen? Yes, it does happen. All right. I'm not saying this doesn't happen. I told you just a few episodes ago about the guy named Khalif Browder. Kid, Khalif Browder, he was 19 years of age, I believe, when he passed away. It might have been a couple of years after that. But Khalif Browder ended up incarcerated because he ended up incarcerated because someone fingered him for a robbery. He said he didn't do it. Is it one person's word against theirs? So who knows? It doesn't matter whether he did it or not. He gets arrested. He goes to jail. He could not afford bail because he couldn't afford a thousand dollars bail. Not him personally. His mother, he had three or four siblings who were grown adults. All of them put together could not come up with one thousand dollars. He ends up staying in Rikers Island for three years. Gets out. His brain is all fucked up. He ends up committing suicide. Long story short, the documentary about Mr. Browder is on Netflix. I've told you about this documentary a few times. If you have not watched it, go watch it. It's about an eight part series. Watch the whole thing. Because it's a real thing and these things really do happen. So I'm not saying that they don't happen. They do happen. With all of that said, when I read Miss Alexander's book back in 2013, I didn't know some things that I now understand. I've gotten some new information since then. Specifically the point that I made earlier in this point. Most incarcerated black males are not there off of some random he said, she said thing. They're there because of a violent crime, which usually has been proven by the time you get incarcerated. This is not some victim of the circumstance. All right, there's a website called Prison Legal News, and they say the following, quote, based on data compiled by the FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting Program, it found that while black people make up just 13% of the U.S. population, they were 33% of persons arrested for a non-fatal violent crime, which includes rape, robbery, aggravated assault, and other assaults. Black people were also 36% of those arrested for serious non-fatal violent crimes, including rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. Close quote. These are just the stats, folks. These are the facts. Now, there's a lot more you could tell that would make up an entire picture of this, but these are facts that a lot of people will have you believe that the system is just, again, somehow 
manufacturing ways to target black people and they end up incarcerated because the system is just setting them up to do it. And there are many black people who have this belief. Some of you listen to this right now, no matter what I say here today, you're still going to have this belief when this episode is over. However, the facts disagree with your beliefs. That it's violent crimes to get people incarcerated more than it is some drug offense. And these are facts that people just don't want to accept because, again, it flies in the face of people's beliefs. And if you want to hold on to your beliefs in the face of facts that conflict with those beliefs, so that's the choice that you get to make. But don't say you weren't told. Don't say the information was never presented to you because I'm presented to you right here and you can go look this stuff up yourself. Again, it's FBI. It's called the UCR, Unified Crime Reporting. This is data that is publicly available. Anyone can go look it up. You can go find this. You can look up data pretty much through the last 20 years and it's been pretty detailed for the last maybe 10. So you can go find this data. Anybody can. Again, this is a government website. You can go find those called FBI UCR, Unified Crime Reporting Database. You know those days in your life when you don't really feel like being at work, you don't really feel like doing the job that you're required to do, but you have to do it anyway? Yeah, those days. We call those days the third day. Everyone has them no matter what it is that you do. And you need to, if you're going to be a professional, have a system for getting through those days because they're going to happen. I wrote a book called The Third Day, the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs that systematically and strategically coaches you on how to get through those days so you can give your best effort when you least feel like it. I will give you a free copy of the book. Again, it's called The Third Day. All you have to do is cover the shipping and go to thirddaybook.com. Again, that's thirddaybook.com. Get a free copy of that book. How to separate yourself, the pro, from the amateurs by showing up and giving your best effort when you least feel like it. Just go to thirddaybook.com. Point number three. Today's topic, once again, we're talking criminal justice reform. Now, let's get more subjective. Okay, I gave you some objective things. Let's get subjective now. This concept of worshiping criminals is endemic in the black community. We have a epidemic of worshiping criminals. People who make light of their criminality, people who don't make light of their criminality, but we still worship them because of the crimes that they have committed. And our admiration for them and how we frame it as cool to support the criminal. This is supported by the music that we enjoy, and myself included. And many rappers glorify their alleged criminal lives. As I said, most rappers are exaggerating any criminal activity they've done, if they've done any at all. And we defend it and rappers defend their own glorification of crime by saying that there's just telling you their story or there's just telling you the story of what happens in the communities that they come from. This is what rappers say, right? You challenge any rapper, why are you rapping about that stuff? They say, well, I'm just telling my story. I'm just telling it how it is. This is just how it is in the hood or where I come from or whatever it is. All right, that's bullshit. And I like a lot of the music. I will listen to it when I want the energy of that music. I will listen to it myself. But I know exactly what I'm listening to when I play it. I would not defend it by saying, what well, I just telling their story. He's just talking about his life and how he lived it. Because I know a lot of rappers are lying in their rap. So I know they're not just telling their lie. And just telling their story of how it is in a community, I'm pushing back on that as well. Because you're not just telling the story. You're glorifying the story. There's two different things. Telling a story is one thing. Glorifying a story is another. Glorifying a story is when you are presenting it in such a way as to influence other people to believe that doing that is some type of positive thing that you should aim for. And maybe you should try to do it. And or you should look at me as if I'm this cool, great person because I did it. That's glorification. 
telling the story is just telling, all right, this is just what happened. But when you glorify it and you make yourself seem or you are presenting yourself as being more, bigger, better, I should be followed. I should be listened to. You should look up to me because I did these things. That's glorification. Now, again, this is a completely subjective point that I'm making here. A completely subjective point because a rapper, if they were sitting across from me right now and I was saying this to them, they could easily push back and say, well, who are you to say that me saying it this way is glorification, Dre? And that would be a logical point. That'd be a legitimate point. That's why I said it's subjective. I am subjectively saying that this is what they're doing. Any of you who listens to gangster rap music, you tell me, are they glorifying themselves when they tell you about the crime that they've done? Allegedly? Are they glorifying themselves or are they just telling you a story? I subjectively see it as glorification. You can disagree. When a rapper comes out and tells you, I'm a gangster, I'm a killer, I sold all the drugs in the world, and I will shoot you if you look at me the wrong way, that's not telling your story. No, that's a glorification because they put it to some music and they will show everybody, hey, look at me, listen to me, follow me. I'm the person who did all these criminal things, and this is what makes me cool. Which leads to young men, especially young men, women as well, but mostly young men who look up to and listen to these rappers. And then, especially those of them who don't have strong male figures in their lives, go out thinking, well, okay, this is the coolest person that I see and coolest person I know of is this gangster rapper. Let me go live like him. And see, most people who go follow what the gangster rapper does doesn't end up like the gangster rapper. You end up dead or in jail like most people who do that kind of stuff. And see, that's the stuff that they don't talk about in the music. But they do every now and then. There'll be a song or two about their guy who died. And the glorification, though, takes up most of the space. Would you agree? See, this has been accepted and promoted in our communities. Glorifying the criminal. And I don't want to hear shit about how some white people are paying a rapper to do it. This is something that I've heard a few times when I'm on social media and I get into these conversations about what rappers rap about. And somebody will say, well, you can hold the rappers accountable, but you also got to hold these white Jewish people accountable who are paying all the money to the rappers to make the music. All right, that's some bullshit. That's a bullshit excuse. Just because somebody's paying you to do something has no bearing on your decision to actually do it. You can offer me money to do something. If I don't want to do it, I'm not taking the money and I won't do it. The fact that you offer me money has no bearing on my decision to take the action or not. If you're a heterosexual male, listen to me right now. You're heterosexual, meaning you're attracted to women and only women. Somebody offered you $5,000 to perform oral sex on another man. Would you do it? What about $50,000? What about $500,000? What about $5 million? $5 million, perform oral sex on another man, we're going to film it. Would you do it? Okay, if you're answering no, no matter what amount of money I give you, okay, then that throws out the argument of rappers rap about this degenerative nonsense is because some white person's paying them to do it. Because just because somebody offered you money to do something, if you really don't want to do it, you won't do it, right? We call that having some principles. We call that having standards. So somebody paying you or offering you money to do something that you don't want to do you don't have to take the money. So somebody offering you money does not take away your agency to make a choice. You always have a choice. Your choice can be to walk away from the opportunity, whatever you consider to be an opportunity. All right. Back in the 90s, when I was a, in middle and high school, a black student would get made fun of for speaking properly or enunciating words correctly and getting good grades. They would say, well, this person is trying to be white, right? You're acting white. Because you have good grades or you're speaking properly. You're talking like a white boy. This is stuff that we would say to each other in, in jest. Now, while that mindset has faded out a good amount since then, it's still pervasive that many young men, specifically males and increasingly females, 
want to present themselves as criminals, degenerates, and street people, even if you are not from or of that environment. This happens often. People who are not from that environment want to present themselves as being some type of street person, as if this is the direction that they want to go in. I saw uh, Michael Irvin, who's a former NFL player, played for the Dallas Cowboys for several years. I believe he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a star player, won several championships with the Dallas Cowboys. He was telling this little story he told on TV maybe a month or two ago that one of his sons is a rapper, and his son is rapping about you no know, gangster, street, criminal culture. And Michael Irvin said he said to his son, son, you grew up in a gated community. Why are you rapping about the street stuff that you clearly never lived? And I remember there was this other post that I saw with Deion Sanders, who has a, a couple of sons, a few sons. His oldest son, who is not playing on the football team right now, his oldest son had once posted something. I don't know when this was. This might have been several years ago. But his oldest son had posted something about wanting to go to the hood and buy some food from the hood or something like that. And Dion, the father, responded to his son's tweet by saying, son, you are a Huxtable. And Huxtables, by the way, are the fictional family from Bill Cosby's old Cosby show, TV show, classic TV show. And they were rich. Like the dad was a doctor and the mother was a lawyer. They lived in this really big house and they had this very wholesome family. So anyway, Dion says to his son, son, you're a Huxtable with a million dollar trust fund. All right, stop talking all that hood stuff. LOL. And he was basically calling his son out. Why are you trying to pretend like you're hood when you ain't? Is I set you up to not be that. That's the interesting part is that you don't see a lot of kids who come from impoverished and hood backgrounds talking about their aspirations to live in a way that's not like that. But you see a lot of people who come from the Huxtable background talking as if they want you to believe that they come from the hood or they come from poverty or they come from these terrible conditions. And this is, again, it's stronger in the black community than it is in any other community. And if anybody from a different community sees something that I ain't seeing, you let me know. You want to counter that point? You want to contest my point? that this is a stronger pull in the black community, any other community, then tell me about it. Which community and how? So it's very pervasive that many people, again, specifically males, want to present themselves as criminals, degenerate street people, again, even if they're not from there. You remember the climactic scene in the movie Eight Mile? Remember the movie Eight Mile with Eminem? And at the end of the movie, when he's battling those guys from the free world who they didn't like each other and all of that. And Remember when Eminem started rapping? His name was Bunny Rabbit in the movie. But when he started rapping at the end, he defeats his opponent finally. Notice one of the things that he does is that he makes fun of his opponent by pointing out that his opponent comes from a two-parent home and that he goes to a private school. And the crowd laughs at the opponent because you got both parents at home and your parents have a really good marriage and he goes to a private school. All right, this is what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. And Eminem was a white guy in the movie. Uh, this guy, the rapper, he lost his credibility because he had a good life and he had a good family upbringing. Uh, he lost his credibility because of that. Again, this is in our culture. So I'm talking to and about black people right now. This is in our culture. And people who are not black listening to this. Uh, this is something that maybe you have noticed, but maybe you couldn't put your finger on it or quite understand it. And maybe you couldn't or wouldn't want to put it into words. I'm doing that for you here today. This is what we do in our communities. This is exactly what I mean. This is a reflection of cultural. This is cultural decay. That's what this is. You want to call it what it is, it's cultural decay. That when it's a black mark on your name to come from a good family, to have both parents at home, to go to a private school and grow up in a gated community, well, you're not rough enough. You're not tough enough. You're not street enough. You're not 
your life is not fucked up enough so you don't have the credibility with us, whoever us happens to be. This is a reflection of DK. So this whole concept of criminal justice is because people would rather stand next to and support and align themselves with the criminal than someone who never engages or never needs to or ever become, even comes close to this lifestyle. And there's a deeper, there are many levels way deeper than this that we could go. I'm not going to go here. That's for somebody to write a book about, which I'm sure has already been written, but more can be written in the future because it ain't going away. That's it. Let's recap today's class. It says criminal justice reform. Again, this is a topic that I've touched on from different angles, but never gone deep on it and doing it today. Number one, it's interesting to me why many people want to support and help and align themselves with criminals, but nobody seems to ever align themselves with the victims of the criminals. And it's just interesting to me that nobody wants to step up for them, people who didn't do anything wrong, but they want to defend the person who is a suspect of a crime. Number two, there's a pervasive idea that the majority of criminals, especially black ones, are somehow victims of the system. This is not true. The facts say the majority of state incarcerated inmates are there for violent crimes like murder, rape, assault, robbery, that type of stuff, not for little things like having uh, five hours of marijuana in their pockets. And number three, Getting more subjective, this concept of worshiping criminals is endemic in the black community. Our admiration for criminals and how we frame it as cool to support them. Again, it's supported by the music we enjoy, where a lot of gangster rappers want to tell you all the crimes that they allegedly did. Most of them are lying. And they want to tell you that they're just telling their story or that they're a news reporter just telling you the story of what is happening in whatever neighborhood. And that's one thing when they say they're telling a story. But when you listen to it in the way that it's presented, you see that they are glorifying it. They are glorifying criminal activity. They're glorifying doing things that go outside of the confines of the law, things that get most people murdered or incarcerated. And it's, it's further terrible because many of these rappers who are rapping about this criminal stuff that they ain't even doing it. They never did it and they're not doing it now. But then you are influenced and you ain't the famous person. So you go do the stuff they're rapping about. You get killed. You get incarcerated all because you were listening to that rapper who never did any of that crime that they were talking about, but you were influenced by. In other words, you went to jail on a lie. You got murdered behind a lie that you believed. Why? Because there wasn't any strong male presence in your life to let you know that this is just this is entertainment that you're listening to. This is not something that you should actually believe. But how many rappers want to stress to you how real they are? How they approach somebody in real life and how they actually do all the stuff they rap about. Every rapper has a, a moment in their songs where they're telling you that how real they are, how true this all is, how you should believe every word of what I'm saying. And how every other rapper is lying, but they're the ones you should believe. Like, how many rappers have you not heard say something like that? They all have said it. Unless I listen to enough of the music. So you can't challenge me on that point. Last scene in 8 Mile, when Eminem beats the other rapper finally. How does he undermine the guy's credibility? By saying that he comes from a good home and he goes to a private school as if that's a knock on his. He's not credible anymore in the rap world simply because he's not fucked up rough or impoverished enough. Again, this is a cultural decay that you are seeing in front of your eyes. It's been going on for a long time. It's still going. So this whole concept of we need to make sure we take care of the criminals is because that's what we're producing. We're producing more criminals. So that's why people are so excited to defend these people. And again, this is, there are deeper, deeper ways we could go psychographically and mentally as to how and why this is happening. Not for me to do here today, but I want to make sure I'm on the record at least saying this much. All that said, text me to you in my text community. My number is 305-384-6894. Number down below in the description. Work on your game university. All right. If you don't want to go to jail, all right, you don't want to be impoverished. You want to actually make money. You want to have a good family for your kids to grow up living in. You want to make sure you provide so well for your kids that they can't become gangster rappers because they ain't going to do or see or live 
any gangster shit to talk about because you're going to have such a good life for them, then what you should do is come work with me and work on your game university so we can make sure you are producing the way you need to produce. So the only thing your kids know about is producing at a high level effectively and efficiently. And the only gangster stuff they know is what they see on TV and they will not be influenced to do it. Go to work on your game university.com. That link down below in the description. Work on your game. Dre all day. While you are here, don't forget to text me so you can be part of my texting community where you can ask me questions. You can share challenges with me. You are messaging me directly. You can get a direct response from me because I do read and reply to my messages. My number again, 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Make sure you text me because you never know and I'm going to send a message that could be the one thing you need to hear, the one thing you need to do, the one insight you need to get that could change your life. Make sure you message me. 305-384-6894. Are you ready to take your health and well-being to the next level? Or if you're already at the next level, you want to make sure you stay there? Introducing AG1, the ultimate all-in-one supplement that will revolutionize your daily routine. AG1 is meticulously crafted to provide your body with a comprehensive blend of 75 essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. What does all that mean? Let me make it simple. It means you're getting the perfect solution for those of you who are committed to optimizing your health and fueling your body with the very best. I take this stuff myself besides water and my protein shake. I don't put anything else in my body. Whether you're a professional athlete or someone who values meticulous attention to detail when it comes to what you put in your body, AG1 is designed with people like us in mind. But the benefits don't stop there. When you choose AG1, you're going to receive a free one-year supply of vitamin D, a vital nutrient that supports a strong immune system and promotes healthy bones. On top of that, we're including five free AG1 travel packs so you can stay on top of your game wherever life takes you. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash work on your game. That's drinkag1.com slash work on your game. Your body deserves the highest quality nutrition, and AG1 is here to deliver. That's why I partner with them. That's drinkag1.com slash work on your game. If you ever get to working with me, one thing I'm going to tell you is you need to drink more water. I don't care who you are, what it is you do. So I have something exciting to help quench your thirst for knowledgeable and clean hydration. This is called Aqua True, the ultimate water purifier that will have you saying cheers to a healthier lifestyle. Now, we all know the struggle of staying hydrated. Some of you don't like water. Some of you forget to drink water and some of you are drinking water out of plastic and you're basically killing yourself at the same time because you're ingesting plastic at the same time you're ingesting water. That's why AquaTrue is here to revolutionize your sipping game. So say goodbye to those flimsy plastic bottles and to that plastic that you're drinking and say hello to the next level of refreshing hydration. Let me tell you why AquaTrue is the real deal. First of all, clean and crisp perfection. You are not just drinking water. This is pure, crystal clear delight. So no more funky taste, no more strange odors. Now you just have the ultimate freshness. It's like having a personal oasis right there in the middle of your kitchen. Secondly, AquaTrue is keeping it real because they're all about transparency, just like that crystal clear water that you're gonna be drinking. AquaTrue fills out all the nasty stuff that comes with drinking from plastic bottles and your body will thank you for making this switch. Trust me on that. Number three, the hydration game is strong. You are a hydration superhero. And if you're anything like me, I drink 200 ounces of water a day. If you're even close to that or even half of that, with AquaTrue, you will have the cleanest, tastiest water at your fingertips, making it very easy 
to reach your hydration goals. And number four, goodbye to plastic and hello to the planet. Let's save our planet together. By ditching plastic bottles and opting for AquaTrue instead, you'll be making a positive impact on your health and on the environment at the exact same time. This is a win-win. Good for you and it's good for the planet. Oh, and guess what? We got a little something special for you. You're going to get a refreshing $100 off of any AquaTrue model today so you can start your hydration journey in style. So you're ready to take the plunge, right? Here's what you do. Go over to workonyourgame.com slash AT. That stands for AquaTrue. Workonyourgame.com slash AT and dive into the AquaTrue experience. Your body and the planet will thank you for it. As a matter of fact, I'll thank you in advance. That's workonyourgame.com slash AT. Workonyourgame.com slash AT. AquaTrue is making hydration awesome one clean sip at a time. So let's drink to a healthier you.